We often hear people wishing us a long, happy, and healthy life. But what if the length isn't what matters most? What if instead, it's the breath, depth, and purpose of each day that matters most? Welcome to the Live the Width of Your Life podcast. My name is Annette Ardellian Kuzma, and join me weekly as I interview guests who make changes in their own lives to live more fully with intention, gratitude, and joy. Be prepared to be inspired by their stories of how they shifted their mindset, took courageous action, and designed the life that they always wanted to live. Today's guest is Jim Maroos. Jim is consistently rated as one of the top five most influential people in banking and one of the most sought after keynote speakers for industry and corporate events. Known for his understanding of the disruption in the banking industry, Maroos is the co-publisher of the financial brand and owner and publisher of the Digital Banking Report. He also hosts his podcast, Banking Transformed. Jim speaks on innovation, digital transformation, customer experience, marketing strategies, channel distribution, payments, and change management. He's been featured on CNBC, CNN, Forbes, The Wall Street Journal, New York Times, The Financial Times, The Economist, The American Banker, Fintech Finance, and Accenture, and he's spoken to audiences worldwide. Jim has also advised the White House on banking policy and is a contributor for Forbes and the Breaking Banks radio show. Welcome to the Live the Width of Your Life podcast. I'm so excited. This is my very first episode, and my guest is Jim Morose. Thank you, Jim, so much for joining me today. Thank you. I, I'm excited to be the first guest and, and, and to start this new endeavor of yours uh, off hopefully well. Oh my gosh. Well, of course, so thrilled. And I do want the audience to know that when I sent an email out to my community saying, hey, guess what? I want to launch this podcast. And I sent a survey out. You were the very first person who responded and you said, let me know how I can help. And I just want to thank you for that because you, I know, mentor me and you mentor so many people and that means the world to me. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) You're welcome. So I want to congratulate you also. You were just named one of the top five most influential people in banking and fintechs. Is it like for the 10th year in a row? It's been a long time. And and I always, I always couch it to say, it's not like I'm influential as much as I'm an influencer on social media. And, and part of that comes because I, I've been in the same career or the, the same industry from the beginning of time. Um, since I <laughs> uh, came out of, uh, out of college and joined National City Bank, and I've been in the same industry my whole life. But also, the, the stars have aligned at certain times. When I, I got into the business of content creation, it was when I was 55 and I said, you know what, I want to make it so I'm no longer, so I don't become irrelevant in any way. So I said, maybe there's a way to learn, disperse the information and help by, at that time I was in sales. But just as importantly, um, it's, it's interesting because the whole dynamic of what we all do is trying to share and, and have dialogue. And, and that makes life more fulfilling and, you know, as a, as a whole, it, it's, it's exciting. And, you know, if, you, if you're not afraid of failure, it kind of opens up a whole realm of possibility. 
Oh my gosh, that is the truth. And fear does hold so many of us back, keeps us stuck for way too long. So going back to your background, I know you said you started in banking. And at one point you said, I don't want to be irrelevant anymore. So how did you decide what you were going to do next? Did you have it all figured out or did you just have the next step figured out? (laughs) No, you know, it's interesting because at the time when I made the decision to do something in addition to what I was already doing. At the time, I was in the sales role at a marketing services firm that served the banking industry. And I said, well, maybe there's a way. I have already in my career done well in sales, but usually by being an invaluable resource to my clients. So if I was able to continually know as much or more than my clients in certain realm, not in the realm that they did, but in the broader sense, and I was able to bring that to the table, it made it so they realized right off the bat that I may not be the smartest person at the table, but I'm an asset. And that was gratifying to me, obviously, but it also worked well for the clients. So at the time, I said, you know, I got to take this to the next level because I, as most of us remember, that person that comes into the office that really is saying the exact same thing they said 10 years ago, five years ago, 20 years ago. And I had been in the industry for a long time. And I said, you know, how can I mix this up a little bit? I said, well, you know what I do? I'm going to start a blog. And this was back in, geez, I think it was 2008, <laughs> 2007, sometime around then. And blogs were just starting. So I said, I'll, I'll set up a blog. I'll use WordPress and, and start something that, that basically takes research that I read. I give my spin on it. I link it to the research so that people can access it. But I use that as a gateway to opening the doors of new and existing clients. And basically, I would say, I pick up the phone or get on email and say, hey, you know what? Have you seen my latest uh, article? And they go, well, what do you mean? I said, well, I have this pot, this blog, and I'm writing articles about research. But I think you'd really be interested in this research. Tell you what, you can take a read of what I've said, but how about if I bring in this research for to you? Well, the research was free access anyway. So it's not like it was free anything that they couldn't find. But the reality was, it was at the time when people really were overwhelmed with just a lot of stuff. I remember how I used to read our trade publication, The American Banker. People weren't doing that anymore. There was just information overload. So what I did, I pared down what I thought was important. I obviously related well to the people that related well to what I liked. And so you kind of predefine your own segment on, on what you're good at. And it, it became a business. Um, I took a summer off uh, about a year after I started it to follow my son's sports um, endeavors. And, and he was at showcases and things. And I took a summer off. And when I started writing again, I had people connecting me and say, where were you? We didn't know if you died or whatever else. We didn't rely on that. And for the next year, I paid attention and said, you know, how many people are really paying attention here? And I had over a million readers of articles during that time. Not a million wow. individual people, but a million downloads of my articles. I'm going like, you know, guys, I, I think it's about time I start to figure out a way to monetize this. Mm-hmm. It just so happened I got in a partnership with a gentleman that had a much bigger publication, and I became a writer for him. But again, I was simply doing what, what worked down the path naturally. And mm-hmm. in 2007, 2008, for those who don't remember, That was also the beginning of social media with LinkedIn and and Twitter. I realized that those may be great conduits to announce. I have something else that became, you know, that hit the the airwaves or the the news waves. 
So all these things kind of aligned in a neat way that made it so I became a content producer. I became relevant in certainly in the, the marketing and the financial services realm. And as a result, that's getting back to your very first question about being an influencer. I was an influencer on social media more than being influential, which is a whole lot more because I don't build things. I write things. I, I do research. But, but basically, my career over the last 12, 13 years has all been about some form of learning and dispersion of content creation. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a wonderful way to simplify it, but it's amazing to actually see looking back, trying to oh, connect gosh, yes. the dots. Oh, because <laughs> one of the things that um, I noticed about you and something that you and I talked about early on is just consistency. Creating this brand, knowing what your brand is, posting consistently so people know where to find you. So tell me a little bit of how your brand evolved and the things that you did and and what you're doing now. Great question, because my brand initially was writing articles for a company called The Financial Brand. I'm the co-publisher, and it was basically just two of us writing at the time. There's now seven or eight writers as well as contributors But what was interesting is I realized that, well, maybe there's more I can do here because it wasn't enough financially for me just to do what I was doing there. So I bought a report business. And the report business, in doing research in the industry, using our our database of subscribers, I had a database I could ask questions of, provide, build reports, and then use that for content. So every time I did something, I was trying to figure out how can they feed each other? And it ended up where my articles helped to feed my report business, my report business helped to feed my content, both of which got exposure for me, which then became the foundation upon which I started a speaking business. And, you know, in 2019, which is the last normal year that we know of, Mm -hmm. um, I, I did 20, I think 25, 27 international speaking engagements, anywhere from 50 people to 5,000 people. I did them domestically as well on the same subject matter. So back to what you were talking about with consistency, I also realized that if you're going to write, set a cadence and live to that cadence, because no matter how popular you are, no matter how much somebody wants to hear about you, there's so much going on that you've got to make it part of their daily habit. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they're not going to look for you because they're going to go, I'll, you know, when I think of GM, I'll, I'll search for his name, see what he's written, I'll maybe mm-hmm. read one or two articles. If they know I'm going to publish every Monday, then they're there on Monday to see what did Jim post now. If I come out with reports on a consistent basis, and now the most recent uh, area of uh, content is my webinars and my podcast, if they know when it's going to happen, that helps increase your exposure. And then if you continually are looking at how can I give back? So when I'm writing research, I'm writing research often with the assets of other companies, let's say an Accenture, McKinsey, something like that, I make sure to give them credit, give them links. And many of these companies, IBM and others have said, we get more people to read our content based on your link than we do from our own exposure to it in the social media realm. And that's that's probably because it's it's sometimes very hard to find on many of these platforms. Plus, some people may say, you know, I can't go to 25, 30, organizations, see what they've written. That's what Mm -hmm. my job is. And then pick the best of the best, at least ones that align with what I think and build it from there. 
Wow, that is so amazing. So what would you say to someone who may be in their 30s, in their 40s, in their 50s even, who finds themselves stuck or maybe a little bit, um, you know, like they're not growing and they're considering doing something different, but maybe they're worried or they don't think they can make money doing something that they really enjoy. What advice would you give them? You know, it doesn't matter if it's content. It doesn't matter if you you have a hobby. The internet is a great equalizer right now. The internet allows you to not only expose yourself and get out there with very little risk, no money, no money at all has to be done to get exposed in the marketplace, but then to build a network of people that are of like mind. So let's say I collect little little metal cars. There's a whole universe of people that also collect the same thing. If you find the leaders in that realm, you're going to find other people through them that will connect you to other people. And if you're contributing to the conversation, what's neat is they let you in and they help promote you. Human nature is that we all want to help each other. It's not a competitive scenario. What's neat is I found out very early that, you know what, I can't worry about you know, who else may be getting a piece of the pie? What my my goal is, is to increase the size of the pie. So whatever piece I get is going to be acceptable. And so I think one of the things you really have to do is, number one, realize the risk level is so low. It's the thought of failure that really throws us off. It's not the failure itself. I mean, I'm sure in your endeavors in the last few years, you've had stumbles, you've had disappointments, but every one of them, has been a learning experience. Now, some people may have to run multi, you know, parallel paths at the same time. They may have to hold on to what they have right. and at night do something different. Mm-hmm. The one thing I have absolutely no, no patience for are people that will continually say, I hate what I'm doing or right. I wish I was doing something else. Mm-hmm. The world today makes it so that anybody can do anything at a level. You know, Gary Vaynerchuk, who I I read and follow quite a bit, says, you know, if you want to do something as simple as get something on eBay that's underpriced and then resell it at a markup, you can make a living doing that. You just have to get really efficient. And during that process, you're learning things. You know, I learned a lot early in my writing career, early in my report career, and, and then it transformed into my webinar, my speaking and my podcast career, but you still have to learn. You have to be aware. And as you know, and how we came in contact is, you know, you also have to be willing and desirous of sharing with others what you learn. Because what ends up happening is people share back with you. Now, you can't do it with a contingency. You can't share going, I'm only going to share if you share back. Right. But <laughs> things happen to people that help others. And if you go with that mantra, if you believe that and don't feel upset when it doesn't work out quite that way, you're going to do okay. But, you know, the pandemic gave us an amazing opportunity to expand the breadth, you know, using your your podcast, you know, expand the breadth of what you can do. And, you know, I, I liken it to going to the doctor. The doctor will tell you, you know, you need to change your diet, you need to change your exercise habits to be healthier. And you may keep on it for about a month. But it's that third year that you go and he goes, you know what? We've got a problem here. You haven't exactly been following my, my regimen, and we see something here that's not good. It's amazing 
how pain makes you switch immediately. People did this during the pandemic. Some people got out of the workforce. Some are coming back in. Some started new businesses. I think what we have to realize is that everything that looks like a threat, if you have the right attitude, it actually is a great opportunity out there. I mean, the economy going down right now, there's never been a better time to start a new business because other people are getting out of business or are being shut down because they're not evolving. They don't have the challenger mindset. So at the end of the day, if you have the, the ability to say, you know what, I'm going to work harder at what I do. My son was in sports and, and he always said the reason why he practiced twice as hard in the summertime than during the season was because he realized his competitors weren't all practicing. And so he got a, he had a way to move up the ranks of what his competitive situation was because he was doing something other than what everybody else was doing. It's easy to be like everybody else. It's when you can stand out and do things a little differently and, and look for those avenues. And I'll get back to the social media side. Reach out to those that are the foremost leaders in what you want to do and engage with them. You know, maybe it's asking them to be interviewed. Maybe it's simply yeah. saying, I'm just starting this field. Can I spend five minutes on the phone with you? They are more than willing to help because they realize, you know, it's not a competitive situation. We all want to help each other. And I think that's what you have to Being told no 10 times to get one yes is great. And what's interesting is over time, if you do well, you're going to have 10 people coming to you, and you're only going to be able to say yes to one. That's a whole flip yeah. of the coin there. <laughs> so true. Um, I wanted to talk about a couple of things that you just mentioned. One is the pandemic. So I know yeah. that you were traveling and you were doing yeah. speaking. And I remember when you and I talked during the pandemic and you said, I'm going to start a podcast. You you started to shift. You saw that something was changing. We weren't sure when we were getting out. There are obviously podcasts out here, but there isn't one exactly like yours. And your podcast is the number one podcast in banking. So talk a little bit about when you got the idea, were you thinking about doing it for a bit? And then uh, what have you learned during your podcast journey? You know, it's interesting. To your point, when my speaking business, which at the time was about a third to half of my revenue, was going to shut down. And you could see it happening. I was I was traveling in January of 2020 going, this does not look good. If we get shut down as far as travel, all the events I go to and speak at and mm-hmm. all the people that, that send salespeople to other companies to sell and to events to sell, that's all going to be shut down. What, what, what could come from that? And I decided to not just take my report business, but decided to build white papers that could be sponsored by organizations that sold to the banking industry. So I would write a shorter version of what I would do in report business that could get companies' names out there at a time when salespeople were working from home or not traveling at all. In addition, to your point, I said, you know, maybe I can start a podcast to interview people, which is my way of gathering more insight from people across the world. But connections I had across the world, I started, you know, Good old email. You can get to. I can get to the Middle East. I can get to the Far East. Yeah. I can get to Europe and and connect with these people. I think people would still be interested in hearing from these people. Mm-hmm. At the same time, there's a sponsored element of my podcast where companies can sponsor me 
to interview their people about what they do. Now, the only qualification is not allowed to sell on the podcast. It is, has to be for the benefit of the audience, my audience, to be able to learn more about what's going on in the industry. And oh, by the way, just by thinking a little bit, you say, well, this must be, spot. they must do this. This company must do right. this. And it worked out famously. It was much more than I ever expected. But it was interesting because, again, we were doing the same thing we were doing before, but this was new channels. You know, webinars turned into more like podcasts, where it's more like what we're, you and I are doing now yeah. rather than a PowerPoint pre presentation. That's right. So what we really realized was there's, there's ways to, to pivot. It's a word that we use quite a bit during the pandemic. And at a time that Zoom, I mean, we never knew what Zoom was before March of 2020. Well, we became more open to trying to see new things. And you know what? You even have to think out of the box once you get something established. Keep that challenger mindset. You know, it was one year ago that I started saying, you know, I'm going to start recording these video and audio. It, prior to that, for the first two and a half years, two and a quarter years, it was only audio. I said, you know, we have a video pod, a video platform here. Why don't we also record it this way and start a YouTube channel? Well, mm -hmm. things don't always work the way you think they're going to. So we started uh, 95 episodes ago recording on video. I just introduced the, the YouTube channel, uh, I think it was four weeks ago. Now, what was the delay? Me. You know, I, I, was, <laughs> I had all this content and yeah. I didn't really put it into the platform yet. And now that is going to provide at some point another sponsorship opportunity. But... It was also the way I started the podcast initially, which was I never looked for any sponsors of the podcast. I never looked for anything other than distributing content, building an audience, building a reputation, and then saying, you know, maybe somebody else wants to participate in what I'm doing. So I went, I invested with a producer, put a year under my belt before we even asked for anybody to help sponsor or, or contribute anything. Same thing's going on with the YouTube channel. You know, it's now mind you, not everybody has that ability to do that, but it's always better to build your reputation before you try to sell your reputation. You know, we're not we're not all the fashion um, the fashion icons that can go out there and put a TikTok video up and get money for it automatically. You know, I we have to. I have a, as I say, I have a face for um, writing, not for podcasting. But uh, you know, again, it, it's. Um, it's one of those things that if you do it with genuine, you know, your genuine enthusiasm, it's going to always work better. Oh my gosh, I agree. And thank you for giving me the tip to start off doing the video and the audio. It's one of the first things you told me to do. And I appreciate that you shared, you took your learnings and you shared it with me early on. Um, well, yeah, YouTube, so YouTube is the fastest growing search engine and the fastest growing content listening and watching platform. So there are many people that pick YouTube up, put it on their phone, put the earbuds in, and listen to what you think they're watching. It's just another yeah. channel. And you can't, you know, again, what's also neat about the podcast from my perspective is I also love to write. So my podcast interviews become content. And I then turn into writing that helps me fulfill my obligation on the financial brand and on my reports. So smart. I love how it's all integrated. And Try. the other thing that's <laughs> integrated is I love to follow you, not just on LinkedIn, but also on Instagram. And what I appreciate so much is that you share 
all of you. you I see yeah. photos and posts about your family, about sporting events, about concerts that you go through, but also you're on this wellness journey. And I love seeing you talk about riding your bike. You do Velisano, your favorite smoothies, wherever you are visiting. I see that you yeah. get some good smoothies. Yeah. So tell me about this wellness journey that you're on and how long have you been on it? Because um, it seems like it's something that is really important to you. Well, it is. I, I, I referenced the doctor um, analogy on my transformation. And the reality is um, I had a, a saying that I would use when I was presenting, which was embrace change, take risks and disrupt yourself. And all of a sudden I realized that I wasn't the best version of myself. And, and, and I'm not sure if any of us ever get there completely, but I realized that it all is part of this whole journey. I can't go internationally and speak and get in planes and get off of planes and spend four days in Budapest or in Paris or any in Utah, any place else, if I'm not healthy. And I had some issues I had to deal with, and the doctor made it very clear I better deal with them. And I decided in January of, I think it was 2018, it might have been, maybe it's probably 19, that I was going to do the double whammy. I was going to first going to going to lose weight. I was going to focus on losing weight. I, I, I joined the Noom platform, which is a digital uh, diet program, kind of like Weight Watchers, but for digital uh, mobile phone junkies, and got on that platform and lost around 25 pounds. And I said, well, having lost that, I now can do some better exercising. So I, I joined a, a local fitness uh, uh, studio and one that really required commitment that if you signed up and didn't go, you got charged. And you, it was very, it, it was my kind of platform. Everybody's got something different they like. But putting those things together, I, I lost over 50 pounds. I, I've gained a little bit since uh, then, not a ton, but I gained a little bit when I was in Florida of all places um, over the wintertime and, and now getting back on it. But, you know, it you really have to make your entire self better. It makes it so every part of your life, your business, your personal life, all works well. And you really need, you know, you can't put all in to any one part of your life and, and be happy. At least I don't think so. And so I appreciate that you follow me on Instagram. You're right. I, I Instagram is my fun platform to say, hey, here's what's going on. Um, I'm raising money for this. I'm helping people with this. I, I had this great experience that's very visual, so I put it on Instagram. My wife's tired of all my social media connections uh, every, on Facebook as well. But the reality is um, it opens up your world and says, you know what, I, I, I'm leading kind of a normal life. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that at um, a, a very old age, I will say, it's all in the mind, but at an old um, literal age, that I'm building a podcast. It's the thing I like to talk about first now because people just go like, Wait, you have a podcast? And then I talk about the digital um, amplification and things we do in a, and I'm a content creator. And all of a sudden their eyes go, I cannot believe this. I have, I have people much younger than me that have already retired. I think this is what keeps me sane. And it also it's interesting because if you enjoy it, it's not a pain. And you can do it just as your hobby if you want to. You can go back from having to be in business to be in a hobby. And if you can do that and have fun doing it, it's the best of all worlds. Oh my God. So true. It's combining your passions, your skills, your experiences, your talents, and creating this life, this integrated life that you love. I mean, that's what it's all about. What would you tell your younger 
your younger self? Because I'm assuming that you've evolved over the years that you didn't yeah. have maybe all this wisdom when you were 18, 19, 20 years old. Oh, gosh, what did you no. tell yourself? <laughs> a um, younger version of that's, you. That's interesting. Um, I, w- I would say, number one, that uh, and, and it's actually something that I really embraced probably at age 40, maybe a little bit before that, and that it's not going to kill you now. That mentality ranged from when we um, bought a house and decided to sell it and move to a completely different part of the country at a time on the spur of the moment, truly. And I said, or I guess the comment was, what's the worst that can happen? Now, mind you, I will say that there have been multiple times in my life when that answer has come to me. Um, When we did move from uh, Ohio to California, uh, the comment was, what's the worst that can happen? We landed on the day we were going to um, close on our house, and there were fires in the hills, and somebody told me where they were. It didn't even sound familiar, and I realized it was in the community right next to ours. So all of a sudden, I'm going, so we're going to a place that may not be here by the time that the next day comes. And on top of that, we, we, we went there in 2006, and I think we bought on the day that the market was the highest in real estate. From that point on, it went down. It was almost, I told people, it's like, if you had $1,000 to throw out the window every day we lived in California, that's pretty much what we did. Um, but then we uh, had a, an offer to come back to Ohio, came back to Ohio. And uh, it just so happens that if you were asked my wife, my son, or myself, would you do it again knowing exactly the way it was going to play out? We'd all say yes. It was an experience. And it did not kill us. Yes. Did it make things difficult? Yes. Did it make it so we had to resave to buy another house? Yes. Did it change our life? Yes. But none of us would take that away because there's a lot of parts of that experience that were just outstanding. And I think that if you realize that, you know, what's the worst that can happen and it's not the end of the world, I think this is especially important for younger people. You know, younger people at 24, 25, think that they aspire to be this thing that, that's been built for them by their parents, by themselves, by their friends. And the reality is you don't need, you don't, in many cases at 24, 25, 23, you don't have a house, you don't have children, you may not be married, you may have a significant other, but the responsibilities are so much less than what they are when you're 40 and 50. So if you're young, try everything. Don't be confined to what you think your parents wanted or what you thought you wanted. You know, I'm amazed that when you go to high school uh, sporting events at the senior year and people say what they're going to be going to school for and what they're going to study and be, you go, how in the world do you know you want to be a chemical engineer when you've never seen chemical engineering in your life? You know, (laughs) and it it means when you're young, test everything. Heck, when you're old, Mm. test everything. You know, dip your don't just dip your toe in the water. Jump in. Disrupt yourself. Take risks. Embrace mm-hmm. change. You know, that's the hardest part. I mean, we're none of us love change. You know, we're going through it every single day and it wears us out. And that's the one downside right now is that there's so much happening around us, it can get overwhelming. Sometimes that respite, that that quiet place is maybe doing something that you never thought you'd do and trying it. But going all in on it, maybe, as I said, maybe on a parallel path to the rest of your life, maybe, maybe just letting go of everything saying, hey, I'm going to try this. You know, it, 
it's amazing what you can try. You know, I have a friend who, who's a designer of tennis shoes. He's just an artist. And then he decided to do specialty shoes, you know, customized mm-hmm. shoes, making a business out of it. Now, this person has to learn business because the person was an artist and wasn't really a business yeah. person. That's an amazing opportunity for people to think outside the norm and just try something. Oh my gosh, I totally agree. And with many of my clients, um, they'd often, they come to me and they were like, should I quit my job or should I try something different? And I always say, it doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be an and. Continue doing what you're doing if that makes you feel safe and secure for the time being, similar to what you did. But you wanna explore and try some new things, try it out. It's all information. You might love it. You might hate it. You might be really good at it. You may not be great at it. It's just information. If you see it as experiences, you'll get some answers and you can continue on and expand more. Or you might go, well, this wasn't what I thought it would be and try something different. Why do you think that sometimes we're so afraid to try something different? Like to to take some things that are perceived as risks? You know, we don't want to be considered a failure. You know, we, we all have this preconceived notion. We don't want to wake up and say, oh, my gosh, what in the world did I do? You know, it's a, what's going to happen? But you need to put in perspective. You need to put in perspective if you're young saying, oh, my gosh, from the age of 21 to 26 is five years. Five years is, what, one twentieth of the possibility of your lifespan if you're a 20-year-old right now? You know, that's not that long. That's a smidgen of time. It will pass. And most of us, almost all of us, don't have to risk life, health, and and wellness. So the reality is if you realize that the risk isn't as great as we make it be and don't let that overwhelm us, we're better off. How many times has somebody left a job and said, oh, my gosh, I should have done this five years ago, three years ago, 10 years ago? We are our own worst enemy because we're fearful of what may happen. The reality is you can take a pay cut. If you enjoy Mm -hmm. doing your work more and you have a pay cut, but you have some more balance, great. If you want to say, you know, I want to take my my, uh, post-college sabbatical this year and I'm 30 and I travel the world and go, Mm -hmm. you know, and and say, and it's interesting because you watch these people that do this and not all of them come from money. They just find a way to make it happen saying, you know what? I'll find my way back. Uh, If I have to, I'll find my way back. I'll do something in the meantime. We are our own worst enemy. And and it's interesting because once you embrace that change, my wife, she was in traditional store retail. She moved to digital retail. She was scared to death. And then she realized that all her talents transformed. She became the enemy of a lot of the store units because now in the digital side, she was a competition. My son, eighth grade. Came off a baseball field at the end of a travel game in, in one summer in at eighth grade and said, Dad, Mom, this is my last baseball game. And we just, we were completely stunned. There was no warning, nothing else. We we're a baseball family. He said, <laughs> okay, what are you going to do? I'm going to do lacrosse. He had not picked up a lacrosse stick. I, we said, how's that? Number one, we asked why. And he said, because baseball is boring, which I had very little to combat that. But I, on the other hand, he said, <laughs> I, I'm going to put in all the time that's needed. I'm going to start from my high school team from ninth grade on, and I'm going to start from my college team from the first year on. I'm going to get signed by a college, and I'm going to play every game. And he did that. And 
Now, not everybody can do it, but what was, was he was getting into a complete discomfort zone. But I hope because of his parents and other people he was involved in, he saw no downside to trying something new. He had faith in himself and he never quit. People would say, you know, why are you taking all these clinics? Why are you? Because I got to get better. I have my goal in mind. And his goal was to have fun. And it's funny because now he's out of university. He went an extra year because of COVID in the sports. So he was able to go an extra year. And plus, because he was the only child, we allowed him to do so. But he's now going on a golf trip in, in a week from now with 12 of his old lacrosse teammates. And that, that brotherhood lived on. And he looks back and goes, this would not have been quite the same if he stayed in baseball. So, you know, it, again, you have to realize, and for him, what's the worst that could have happened? You go back to play baseball or not play any sports. That's right. You know, it's just, you, you have to put things in perspective. Sometimes we build our own boogeyman. That's, oh my gosh, the mind is so powerful. I always say, use it for good. Yes. Otherwise. <laughs> so tell me what's next for you. Um, do you have things that, do you have a traditional bucket list? Do you have a dreams log oh, or gosh, is it just yeah. things that you think about? What else personally, professionally, are you willing to share with the audience today that uh, you want to make sure you do next? It, it's, it's going under the, under the, the bucket of, of balance. I, I, my son has graduated from university. My wife is retired and there were plans that we had for when those things happened, but they both happened in 2020 and 2021. And so it didn't quite work out that way. So the first thing on my bucket list is to expose them to some of the amazing places that I've gone. Um, first in the bucket list is go back to, I've been to Africa and done a safari. They didn't, they were not with me. It was a business trip, believe it or not. And I want them to ex be exposed to that on my personal bucket list as well is I want to, I want to go to Greece with my my wife. It's a it's a place that I find I've never been to. I find it to be amazingly beautiful. So some travel just for vacation. You know, one thing I did in 2019, it was kind of like a bucket list item is I actually cut back my travel and said, I'm not going to go to any location overseas without a, a four day layover. So instead of doing a, a day in, a day to rest, a day for speaking, a day out, I did a day in three to four days of speaking, but also see the country and then out. That completely transformed my, my focus on why I was going there. And it made it also so that I, I changed my fee structure a little bit because I said, you know, if it's the right place, we can make a deal. You know, and, and, and sometimes I made a deal to bring my wife as opposed to taking the normal fee. And even without the fee, to have the opportunity to see the world and, it, you know, it's, it's it's so vast and so under, un, under, not understood and misunderstood. And, you know, to be able to go to a place and go, geez, you know, I never thought I'd be here. And, you know, I, I think I've told you the story that even to be involved with people you never thought you'd be involved with. I remember um, two instances. One was when I was in North Africa doing a bank event and we had probably 200 people in the room. 100 people were from uh, South of the Middle East. And so they had the white garb on and, and, and then the other group were from the Northern part of Africa, from Nigeria and such. And so imagine the dynamics as I'm looking out the audience seeing vastly different diametrics and demographics and, and cultures. And they stand in line to talk to me after my event. I'm going like, pinch me. I, I can't believe I'm here. 
And then a follow-up trip was going, and I was sponsored by a, a bank in um, the Middle East, and going and meeting the chairman of the bank and in his office. And he's again in the the white. I, I, there's probably a word for it, but the white uh, um, garb and wearing sandals and bare feet. And, and I'm just going. If anybody could see me now and realize I'm exposed to this, it, it takes my breath away because it's not something I ever envisioned myself doing. So. I think the bucket list is get on the road again, um, even to the countries that are more typical, more more of the the Paris and the Londons of the world that are that are just so amazing in and of themselves. And to see my friends, because I'm I'm very fortunate, knock on wood, that I now have friends internationally. That any country I go into, I'm going to have at least a couple of people that know who I am, even if I don't know them personally, because of my exposure in the marketplace. So it's it, it's it's a little bit more balanced. I don't, I don't foresee myself retiring from everything, anytime at all. Um, I'm just going to pare back the parts that uh, take a toll and keep going to the ones that uh, are the most fun. Oh my gosh, that sounds fantastic. And I hope you get to see and do all of those things. Um, so the name of this podcast is Live the Width of Your Life. And it's based on a Diane Ackerman quote, which says, I don't want to live my life and get to the end of it and realize I just lived the length I want to have lived the width as well. So what does that quote mean to you? What, how do you live the width of your life? You know, and it's all cliche to a degree to, to, to put as much into a day as you can. You know, I'm at an age now that I have people that are, are leaving my sphere of, of friendships that, that have not been as fortunate as I am to be here today. I have a, a friend that just left the Cleveland Clinic today after a week's stay with some cancer surgery. And, and, and if you keep on realizing, it doesn't matter if you're 10 years old, 20 years old, that your life is not predetermined by you as to how long it's going to be. You need to make the most of every possible second so that you don't go to bed at night going, geez, I didn't move forward at all. I didn't move any direction at all. That doesn't mean you have to make an advancement. They have to get things done. It's not a to-do list. You know, the fact that you may replace a tennis lesson for a, a podcast interview and make that decision, that doesn't make it bad. But make sure that you never regret not doing something. And that gets back to the very beginning of what we talked about. Yeah. If you're stuck in a job that you're not enthusiastic about, you don't have to love your job, but if you don't really like the way it's contributing to your life, if you don't think you're using your best skill sets to give back to the world, change it. You know, live the breadth of your life. Live the width of your life. It's not linear. And, and, and again, I can't emphasize it enough to say really use the term, and sometimes it's if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. I'm not too sure about that. But I will say that, you know, you need to ask yourself, what's the worst that can happen? And be honest with yourself. Yes, I, you know, skydiving, we know what the worst is that could happen. Right. But if it's going deep sea fishing or it's going snorkeling or it's going bike riding on the towpath in Cleveland, if it's simply reaching out to a friend you haven't talked to for months, yourself in my case then then don't don't live with regrets because it's I love filled that. with opportunities 
Beautifully said. I couldn't have said it better myself. I am so grateful for you. I'm grateful for our friendship. Thank you so much for all that you do, uh, what you've given back to so many. And um, thanks for sharing so much wisdom today from your own experiences. I know that people will find it to be very inspiring. How can we best support you? What is the best way that folks can support you, follow you on your channels? What else would be helpful for you? Honestly, the more general thing is tell friends about your podcast. Because the reality is the people that are listening to you today are not my followers. They're not necessarily wired the way I am. I'm going to share it on my platforms. Yeah. But for those that are actually listening to what you put your life into, mm-hmm. Share it with three or four others. That's what people can do. Because somewhere down the line, it all is going to come back. And I can't emphasize it enough that the universe is so large. The little bit you can move it, transform it, make it better, more than ever before today, it's going to make it better. So, you know, the way to get back for me is to make sure that people share what you're sharing. Because it's pretty important in today's world to to live the width of your life, to leave, lead the, the whole breadth of what's a possibility there, and to realize that now more than ever, you can start today and do something different. That's right. You can start today, and you don't need to know how it's all going to work out. You can connect the dots looking back, not always going forward. Thank you so much, Jim. I look forward to continuing to follow you and I will include all of the ways that folks can find you in the show notes and I hope you have the most amazing rest of your day today. Thank you. Thank you. You as well.